0: Welcome to the Vertical Church Podcast. Now, here's Pastor Josh Butcher with today's message. Did you get your free popcorn? Listen, we've been here for almost a year at the theater, and I don't know about you, but um, there comes a time, it's usually right around 11 o'clock, um, and you start smelling the popcorn, and you start your, your stomach starts growling, and the only thing that you can think is, Dear Lord, let this preacher hurry up. I got to go get some popcorn. Hey, um, we're starting a series today. It's a great day to be here. Baby dedication, Father's Day. It's the launch of a new series. There's a thing called Now Showing. And, and we thought, you know, like I said, we've been here at the theater for almost a year, uh, coming up at the end of August. And we haven't done anything movie related. Uh, and, and we're going into summer. And I saw a thing um, on the news this week. That this summer there are 19 quote unquote summer blockbuster movies coming out between May and the end of August. 19 big budgets, uh, special effects, action, all the all the things that make a summer movie blockbuster. Everything that it can be. And so we thought, man, let's let's do it. Let's let's finally do a whole series uh, geared around something about movies and 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 we said well um i i don't that's not how i write sermons and so we just did the the now showing thing but what we're actually focused on is that you know hollywood's got all these blockbuster scripts and i'm you know i'm gonna sound kind of preachy when i say this but man hollywood ain't got nothing or if you watch duck dynasty hollywood ain't got jack on the bible right i don't know if any duck dynasty fans in the room but um but the Bible, man, the Bible is full of like the greatest stories ever. I mean, we're talking stories that have stood for, for centuries and millennia as these as these stories of, of action and drama and suspense. And, and we thought, man, let's just dive into the Bible this summer, uh, dive into these stories. We've got nine of them. Some of them are more well-known than others. Some of them are really popular. Some of them you may barely even know. But these stories that we're going to look at, these screenplays, if you will, um, they're, they're, they're some of the, the greatest stories of all time. And what we want to do is we want to rediscover them. Just, just rediscover. My, my prayer is that during this series, not only would you rediscover the stories, but maybe God would, would reignite a, a passion and a desire in your heart for the Bible, to, to read the Bible on your own, to discover those stories on your own. Uh, that's really one of the, the prayers of this whole series. Now, before we jump into today, I do have to let you know something about the, our approach during this series. I'm not really concerned about the historical validity of the stories that we're going to get into now, some of you, I know, you grew up in church, and so because it's in this book, you believe it. Like, look, dude, it says it in there, and it says it that way, and that's how I believe it. And you know what? That's cool. If that's you, that's awesome. I grew up like that. I grew up in a culture that way. But some of you didn't, okay? Some of you didn't grow up like that. Some of you didn't grow up in a, in a Christian environment and so when you approach the stories that are found in this book you're thinking oh gosh I don't know about that that sounds kind of crazy you know I don't I don't know about this whole Jonah and the big fish thing I don't know about about Moses and the waters parting. I think there's something else going on there. And you know what? If that's you, all right. That's fine. You know you, you take that approach because I'm not concerned with the historical validity Of these stories in this series here's what I'm concerned with because it's called now showing and it's summer movie time here's what we're going to look at we're going to look at the plot we're going to look at the conflict we're going to look at the characters we're going to look at the storylines and the screenplays and the questions you know every great movie really revolves around some kind of question so and oftentimes it's stated sometimes it's not but there's a question that the movie's answering. You know, will he love her? You know, will he, um, um, you know, save the day? Will Will Superman survive? Will Iron Man, you know, defeat the, the enemy? Will the Avengers, I don't know why I'm on this comic book kick, will the Avengers save the planet and the universe? You know, that that's, that's kind of, it's all built around a question. So that's what we're going to do over the next nine weeks. We're going to take questions that are actually found in the scripture that that are asked in the passage by one of the characters. Sometimes God will ask the question. Sometimes a person will ask the question. We're going to dive into that. And today we've got three of those questions in our passage. God asks two of them, but then there's a character that asks the first one. You know, this week we're going to look at Genesis chapter three. And in Genesis chapter three, we've got God, We've got Adam, we've got Eve, and we've got a talking snake. And like I said, you might approach this passage and say, I don't know about a talking snake. Like, that seems weird to me. I don't know if I believe that. All right, I'm not asking you to believe that. I'm asking you to listen to the story. All right, listen to the character. If you can go watch, you know, Iron Man and not be all upset that we don't, like, do that, that that's not real, then you can listen to this that some people in the room think is, is absolutely 100% historically valid, and other people are not so sure. And so that's our approach. And so we've got three questions today, and I think the thing that we're going to discover is really not so much um, what you might be thinking right now of Genesis chapter 3. I think what we're going to discover is how Satan, or the serpent, if you will, uh, how, he, how he strategizes to to affect and destroy our lives, okay? I think that's where we're going to end up, and I'm really excited, uh, really pumped about this. If you have a Bible, uh, go ahead and open it up to Genesis chapter 3. We're going to start with verse 1. If you don't have a Bible, don't sweat it, because we're going to put the Scriptures right on this big movie screen above my head. So here we go. If you have a phone, you can follow along uh, on your Bible app as well. Verse 1. Now the serpent... Was And if you have a highlighter or a pen, you might want to highlight or underline or circle or star this next, these next two words. Now, the serpent was more crafty. Love that description of this character, the serpent. He was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said, in Talking Snake, he said to the woman, did God really say. You might want to take that same highlighter that you just used, or if you use the, the option on your phone to highlight, you might want to highlight that question. Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? Like I said, I love that description of of the serpent as crafty. The the, the idea of crafty is that is that the character is adept at using at using um, um, cunning and subtlety to get what the character wants. You know that's that's what it means to be crafty. That that you don't approach in an obvious way. You're cunning. You're subtle. You're crafty. Love the love that description because that what that tells me is that is that the serpent or the enemy of our of our lives. He's not going to approach us in obvious ways. He's not going to, to come at us and challenge God's goodness directly. He's not going to walk up to us when we're in the middle of a great situation like Adam and Eve were in the garden. He's not going to go up and just say, hey, why don't you just mess up this great situation? Why don't you just, hey, here's, here's an idea. Why don't you just, um, just, just blow it all? Why don't you just destroy it and make a waste of your life? He didn't, he didn't do that because he's crafty. He's cunning. He's subtle. So what he does is he poses a question. Did God really say? And what happens is that question is not so, listen, listen, this is really important to get. It's not so much, he's not so much challenging what God said, because I know that's what it says. He's not waiting until we get just a couple verses. He's actually trying to sow a doubt of who God is. God really say does does God really love you the way he thinks that you think he does we're going to see how how he works this because what he's doing he's asking a question that's going to lead to a doubt about God's good intentions which then leads to disobedience which then leads to a dislocation from the presence of God which is exactly what the enemy wants all alone because he doesn't approach us in obvious ways. He doesn't come up to us and say, you know, why don't you, just, why don't you just flip God off and tell him to take a hike? No, why? Because we're too smart for that. We see that coming. That's easy. That's obvious. He doesn't just say, hey, why don't you tank your future potential? Uh, Why don't you just just experiment with your life? Besides, you know, you're not even sure if this whole God-Bible thing is true anyway. No, no, no. If he approached us like that, we're too wise for that. We can see that coming. And so he doesn't because he's crafty. He's cunning. He's subtle. He doesn't push us into something when we must be pulled. He's crafty. He's cunning. Look back at his question in verse 1. He says this, Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The, The great thing about this question is it doesn't have to be a rhetorical question because we can actually go back and look at what God actually did say. We don't have to wonder, well, I don't know, did he? We can go back if you turn back a couple pages or you might not even have to turn a page. Genesis chapter 2, verses 16 and 17. Here's what God did say. And the Lord God commanded the man. Look at this. This is the first thing that God says. You are free to eat from any tree in the garden. Now, it's convenient that the snake left that part out. You're free to eat from anything, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat from it, you will certainly die. It's, it's interesting that God's first words are words of freedom, but then that the snake takes those words and twists it to create fear. Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? Well, no. God didn't say that. God said you're free to eat from anything. And, it's, and that's, how the, that's how the snake starts. That's how the snake, the serpent, begins his temptation. Just by saying, did God really say and look what happens. Look, look how this scene plays out. Verse 2. The woman says she, she responds to the serpent. We may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. Verse 4. Look how he's, he's crafty. He's cunning. He's subtle. And, and I kind of imagine that, that he starts this, this line off by going, Psh. You know how people do, like, Psh, You won't certainly die. You will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman. And look what he says. See, remember when I said? He's creating a doubt of God's good intention because look where he goes. He says, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be open and you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. Did God really say this is not a question about what God said? This is a question about God's love, about God's intentions, about your, yours and mine's acceptance and, and God's intention and purpose for all. Did God really say? Because here's what I think the serpent would say. I think there's something out there that's really good and really awesome. And, and, and God's, God, God doesn't love you because if he loved you, he would let you enjoy it. Like, look, look, Eve, there, there, there's this fruit and it's awesome. And I don't know why you think God loves you, but if he loved you, he would let you eat the fruit. You see what he's doing? He's creating this this doubt about God's love, about God's intention. Because there's something out there that God doesn't want you to experience. And it's good. And he's not going to give you access to it. Well, then God must not love me the way that he says he loves me. God's intentions for me must be something other than good. Because if they were good, then he would let me experience all the things that are good. So then I must not really be that special to him. And, and, and if he loved me the way I think he does, he would let me eat. Listen, every dysfunction in your life and my life begins with this question. Are you who God says you are? And does he really think about you the way you think he does? Are you really his son and daughter? Because if you were, that bad thing wouldn't have happened to you. Did, did, did God really... Say, so, so you, you lost your job and God said he would be your provider. Did God really say, is he really good? Is he really going to take care of you? He must not love you. He, you must not be one of his special sons, one of his special daughters. And so the doubt of God's good intentions planted in our minds. And the problem here, the problem here is not that, that, that Eve responds with certain words. The problem here is that Eve responds at all. The problem here is that Eve entertains the snake's voice because the correct answer to did God really say is to say, shut up. Like the, the correct answer is to walk away from this conversation because there is no win when you enter into a conversation with the snake. And the, the, the correct answer in your life, and for some of you that are sitting here, is to walk away from some of the snakes in your life. You, you've been listening to the wrong voice, and the voice is leading you to, to doubt God's goodness and God's grace and God's favor in your life and God's purpose and calling for you, and, and you just need to walk away. And she, she doesn't walk away, so doubt creeps in, questions and, and doubt about God's goodness, about God's intention for her life. So Eve starts thinking, maybe I'm not, in fact, a loved daughter of God, because if he really loved me, then he would let me enjoy this good thing. So he must not really love me. He he must not have the best intentions for my life. Verse 6. So the doubt has has lodged inside of her and inside of Adam. Verse 6. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye, which makes me think it was not an apple. And also desirable for gaining wisdom. Some of y'all Apple fans, like uh, y'all, y'all just like shot evil stares at me. I'm not going to look at you. She took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, which should be a good thing, but it's not. And they realized they were naked. Remember that highlighter that I had you pull out earlier? You may want to highlight that. They realized... They were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Verse 8, then the man and his wife, this is so sad. This is one of the saddest verses in the whole Bible. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. You know what I find interesting? They were naked the whole time. They've been naked the whole time. The end of chapter two. Chapter two ends with and Adam and Eve were naked and they had no shame. Just naked all the time. Some of you, that's like the best Father's Day present you could ever hope for. Honey? Naked dime. When we go home, that's my Father's Day present. Naked. We're 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 living in Genesis chapter two. Naked all the time. They've been naked the whole. Time, but something happened that opened their eyes to realize that they're vulnerable, that that there's a reason to be filled with shame. They they have entertained the question about God's love. They have entertained the question about his goodness, and so now they have, they have moved to the place of disobeying his voice because when you doubt his love it's inevitable that you'll disobey his voice and when you disobey his voice it always leads to shame and guilt in your life it always leads there that's why that's why when you do something wrong when you when you don't do something right that's why you feel bad about it because anytime you disobey his voice it's always shame and guilt it's always realizing your own nakedness It's always realizing all the ways that you don't measure up, how vulnerable you really are. And so we do what they do. We sew coverings together. They took fig leaves and sewed them together, but we take other things to sew together to hide the shame of our own experience, which is the enemy's plan to hide us from the presence of God, to make us run and cover up our shame, cover up our own guilt with with fig leaves. And we cover it with words. We use words to cover our shame because we want to try to sound hard and try to sound independent, try to sound like we got it all together, when really you're just broken inside. And so you cover yourself. You cover yourself with achievement and success because you've got to combat the gnawing emptiness that's on the inside. We cover ourselves with fig leaves all the time. We cover ourselves with, with approval and acceptance because when we when we are all alone and and when we when we are exposed in the nakedness of our shame and guilt then none of us really approve of ourselves so we cover it with approval from other people we cover ourselves all the time we're not better than adam and eve we cover ourselves and we cover our shame and our guilt the whole time but look what happens in verse 9 because the enemy had the first question did god really say now god jumps in with his own question verse 9 and this is awesome But the Lord God called to the man. Where are you? And in this room this morning, God is saying that very same thing to some of you. Where are you? His voice has been calling to you, and that's why you're here. See, you thought you came here to see a family member dedicate their little boy or girl to God, but you actually came here because God's been saying to you for for weeks and months, Where are you? Are you? Because you've been hiding in the shadows, away from his presence, because you're afraid and you're ashamed to go into his presence. And this morning, God would say to you, "Where are you? Where are you?" And perhaps, perhaps, like Adam and Eve, your your doubt and disobedience has led you to a place where you're dislocated. You don't know where you are. See, it's not that God didn't know where Adam was. God's God; He knew right where He was. You're like, dude, you're behind the third tree. What are you doing? Adam didn't know where Adam was. Eve didn't know where Eve was. Lord, we don't know. We're dislocated from your presence. I don't know where I'm at now. And isn't that the feeling when, when you doubt God's love and you disobey his voice? You get the feeling that, oh, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know where I'm at. My life is just spinning out of control and I don't have a clue. And God would say, where? Are you and look verse ten man he he answers look if you 're playing hide and seek with God the, at least don't talk back like like my son Cole, when he plays hide and seek he's, he he doesn't do a great job because he talks the whole time and, and you 're looking for him he's like, hey daddy i 'm right here like we 're playing hide and seek the point is to hide, but adam can 't hide and he knows he can't hide, so he answers and look what he says it's just so just just heart-wrenching. I heard you in the garden and I hid and and I was afraid because I was naked. So I hid. You know, there's this condition inside of us that, that, that drives us and pushes us into the shadows in relation to God. Always, always away. Always afraid. Always afraid. Lord, I heard you in the garden. I I I I was afraid because I knew you were close. And I knew I was naked. So I hid. Lord, Lord, th- th- there's, something, there's something inside of us that we don't know how God's going to react when we mess everything up. There's there's this there's this fear inside of us that God's going to going to, to, to lose it. If he sees all of our faults and all of our failures, if we stand before him completely vulnerable, not hiding anything, what's he going to do? I'm afraid. Why Why was Adam afraid? Had he had some experience with God that we don't know about that would justify fear? I don't think so. I don't, I don't think so because I don't think fear of God's presence is a normal reaction when we have sin in our lives. I don't think that's what God wants. That's not healthy. To be afraid of his presence is not good. I heard you in the garden. God, I knew you were close by. I could sense you. I, could, I knew your presence was close and so I, I was afraid because I was naked so I hid. How, how, often, how often do we do that? How often do we hide from his presence? How often do we do we push ourselves into the shadows when his presence is near? Because we're afraid, afraid of rejection. Because we've listened to the doubt. Well, if he doesn't love me the way I think he does, if he sees what I did, then he'll reject me. Because he doesn't love me. I'm not really a special son, I'm not really a special daughter, so I can't let him see me this way. I've got to sew my fig leaves together. Or maybe we're, we're afraid of retribution. Maybe we're afraid that he's going to unleash his hatred and his anger and his wrath into our lives. And so we hide. Maybe, maybe we're afraid of being vulnerable. You know what I think? I think the enemy hates that you and I have the opportunity to stand before God completely naked and God not care. He's like, like, look, dude, I see all of your faults, all of your failures, and I love you anyway. And the enemy hates that we can stand completely exposed, completely vulnerable, completely open before God and have no shame. And he hates it. And so his strategy of attacking us, his strategy of destroying our lives is to get us to doubt that we are really who he says we are, that we're really God's children that we are really loved by him that we are really accepted just like we are because if he can make us distrust god's love for us then his work is done because we'll run away and hide We'll we'll go into the shadows. But I don't know about you, but I'm grateful that when I go into the shadows, God arranges a search party and comes looking for me. I don't know if you're grateful that when you hide and cover up your own junk that God doesn't just sit idly by and let you hide on your own, but he puts together a team and he comes looking for you. And he comes looking for me. And he says, where are you? And then verse 11. And here's here's the here's where it all comes together. This is awesome. Genesis chapter 3 verse 11 and he said, "Who told you who told you that you were naked? Who told you that?" Like like who who told you who, who told you that you had to distrust my goodness? Who, who told you that? Who told you that you couldn't trust my love? Who told you that I wouldn't accept you just like you are? Who told you that? Who told you that you were naked? Because the enemy's plan is to place us in a position of doubting our identity in relation to God. Doubting that we are who God says that we are. Because if we doubt, then we'll disobey. And when we disobey, we'll remove ourselves from his presence. And listen... That's when the enemy's voice changes. You know that? Like, like the whole time, you know, God didn't really say. It's not a, he, he's trying to hold this back from you. And then as soon as you take the bait and eat the fruit, you're naked. I can't believe you would do that. You got to go run and hide right now because if God sees you like that, you see how his voice changes. Why? Because he's the accuser. Uh, that, like, that's what he does. He accuses. So he, he tempts you To get you to doubt. And then when you take the bait, his voice changes from an encouraging voice to an accusing voice. I can't. There's no hope for you. You just need to run and hide because God the Father is not going to accept you like this. You're terrible. I can't believe that you would do that. He's going to pour his hate and vengeance into your life. He's never going to accept you. God can't stand you. So his voice changes. But then God responds because there's the enemy's voice. But then there's God asking the question, who told you that I wouldn't accept? Who told you that that you are naked? Who who told you that that I would withhold my love from you? Who told you that? Who listen? It's Father's Day. Who told you that you would never be a a good dad because you didn't have a good dad? Who told you that? Was it God's voice? Who told you that this addiction on your life would never break? Who told you that? Who told you that the way you look makes you abnormal? Who told you that? Who told you that this time would be the end? Who told you that? Who told you that you would never recover from this fall? Who told you that your best days are behind you? I can tell you who told you that. The enemy did. And you need to grab the snake by the throat and punch him in the mouth. Not listen to him and entertain his questions. Here's the beautiful thing about God is God goes right to the place where Adam and Eve are most shameful, most vulnerable, most exposed. And he says, who told you that you're naked? I didn't. Who, who, Who told you that your marriage was about to fall apart? Who told you that? Who, who, who told you that your career was over and your business plan was not going to succeed? Who, who told you that? Who told you that every day you have to wake up depressed because that's just the way you're wired? Who told you that? Who, who told you that? Look, this is the reason I'm convinced that most people don't want to come to church. Because they've been listening to the wrong voice. They're afraid to get in God's presence because they're afraid that they'll be rejected. That they're, they're, they're full of shame and guilt. And so what I'm wondering is, is, oh Lord, are we representing this kind of God good as a church? Like, are we representing this kind of God, because this kind of God sees sin and sees sees people hiding in the leaves in the shadows with fig leaves over them. And instead of instead of accusing them, he he stands up for them. And instead of instead of pointing his finger and 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 yelling at them, he says, who told you that you couldn't come into my presence? Are we as a church Are we are we with that kind of God? Because listen, oftentimes what happens is we, we get in that situation and we we run away and we hide when that's not the solution. Like we we can't get better that way. The the the, the answer is to just, God, here I am. <laughs> all my faults, all my failures, I'm completely exposed. And what you discover when you are naked before God, there's no shame. He doesn't make you ashamed and you don't have to be afraid you don't have to be full of fear wondering what's he going to do is he going to reject me is he going to curse me is he going to condemn me is he going to hate me you don't have to wonder take a look at take a look at this here's what happens the story goes on and and there are consequences that happen to Adam and, and Eve both you know god curses the ground so so that Adam and Eve have to um, work hard to make a living. And and, and all of a sudden, childbirth is, is painful. So, you know, that's not anything I, I know anything about because I'm not a woman. Um, but that, you know, I, I've seen it, but I don't know how it feels. So it's cool. Um, but they have to live outside of paradise. They, they get booted. They get kicked out. So there are consequences. But look at what happens. Verse 21. This is... This is amazing. Remember, they made their own coverings of fig leaves. And then verse 21, the Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife. And he clothed them. Lord, we're naked in front of you. Our shame is exposed. Our guilt is exposed. What are you going to do? Are you going to condemn us? Are you going to kill us? And God says, no, I'm going to clothe you. I'm going to clothe you. I'm going to cover it myself. You tried to cover it with those fig leaves and that doesn't work. So I'm going to cover it. And, and, and the hero, what we're going to discover in this series is that the hero of every story that we read is God. God's the hero. Look, we don't have another hero. He is our hero. He is our, our action. He is the central character of every story. And his heart is to find you and me naked, full of shame and full of guilt, and to clothe us with his grace. Like, that's his heart. That's what he wants to do in your life. He doesn't want you to sew your own wardrobe. You don't don't have to cover your own shame. He's already done it for you. He's not going to condemn you. You don't have to hide from his presence, you don't have to be afraid. There's no fear in his presence. Why? Because he really is actually good. Like he really does love you the way that everybody said he does. And so when when you find yourself naked and, and God is stirring around, you don't have to go run away. You can be in front of him and he's not going to respond out of anger. He's not going to respond out of rejection. He's going to respond out of compassion. When he could have condemned, when he could have cursed them, he had compassion on them. And he clothed them. God really does love you. God really does love me. And if we're vulnerable if we're naked in front of him, we don't have to have shame. He can see all of our faults and our failures, and he can cover them, because he really is good. Let me pray for you this morning. Lord, sometimes the enemy, his voice is just of unrelenting in his accusation, in his temptation to make us doubt our identity, make us doubt your love, make us doubt your intentions for our lives, and sometimes, God, we entertain that voice, and as soon as we do, sure enough, Lord, we find ourselves completely dislocated from your presence. We don't know where we are in relation to you or, or anything. And this morning, God, there may be people like that sitting in this auditorium. And for whatever reason they thought they were coming today, you brought them here because you've been speaking to them for a while now. You've been asking, where are you? Where are you? Lord, you know right where they are but somewhere in the, in the mess of their life and the nakedness and shame that they feel, they have lost their, their place. They have lost their location. They don't know where they are. And Lord, just like you clothed Adam and Eve with your grace, this morning you want to clothe them with your grace. But Lord, now you don't have to sew together animal skins you can clothe them with the grace of your son Jesus and now God you're not just covering sin you're actually dealing with it you're not just covering shame you're actually removing shame this morning God we find ourselves in the shadows We find ourselves with fig leaves on. We find ourselves with self-made wardrobes to try to cover our guilt and shame. Would you move upon our hearts to just expose and be vulnerable in front of you and receive the love that's been there all along. Receive the acceptance that, that you've been offering the whole time. You came and started searching for us. We, we were hiding and you made the first move, the second move, and the third move, Lord. This morning, while we're all in a just in an attitude of prayer, I want to I want to ask you this morning. Have you been hiding in the shadows? Have you been experiencing that fear of rejection? That fear that God doesn't really love you, like everybody says it. Have you, have you entertained the voice of the serpent that says, "Did God really say, "Does God really love you? Is God really good? And you've been entertaining that voice because your circumstances aren't good. This morning, God is reaching out to you and he's asking you a question. Who told you that? Who told you that he's not good? Who told you that I don't love you? Who told you that I don't have your best intentions in mind? Who told you that? Who told you that you wouldn't make it? Who told you that you would never get up from this fall? Who told you that you just need to quit and throw in the towel because your life is done? Who told you that? This morning, if you will, again... Allow yourself to be naked in front of God. Allow allow Him to see all of your faults, all of your failures, all of the ways that you and I make a mess of our lives and go the wrong direction and go the wrong way. If you'll let Him see it all, He'll take care of it all. That's you, I just want to pray for you one more time. But in this prayer, I want to to lead you to pray your own prayer. And for some of you, this is going to be a prayer of salvation because you're actually going to be accepting Jesus for the very first time, accepting His grace that He's been offering, but you're going to accept it for the first time. Others of you, you're just going to find yourself all all over again. Because you've, you've known Jesus, but Something in your life, the, the sin and the, and the distraction in your own heart has led you away and into the shadows, and you need to be found again today. So I'm not, I'm not really concerned with how we label it. I just want you to not be afraid in His presence. I just want you to not feel shame and fear of His goodness, of His presence, of His grace. You don't have to hide. So, I, mean, I, don't know, I don't know who I'm drilling down on, but you don't have to hide. God's not mad at you. God's intentions are to bless you. God's intentions are to pour His grace into your life. Look, it was all settled. Look, the New Testament says, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He's already settled the question of, is He good? You don't have to hide. You don't have to hide anymore. Lord, we come, come to you this morning in all sorts of different situations. Some of, you, some of us, God, we're approaching you for the very first time. And, our, our, and we're so nervous that our knees are shaking, God. And right now we're fidgeting with our hands because, because we're so nervous about, about what you're going to do when we really make ourselves vulnerable and just, and just get naked in front of you. Some of us, God, we've known you, we've been, we've walked with you. And yet now because of our of uh, of situations in life, we've we've run away and we're hiding in the shadows. Lord, would you call us out? Would we actually take the step out to trust your grace again? If you want to trust, like there is no formula to say you just just reach out to him. Say, Lord, I'm coming out of the shadows. I hear you in the garden and I'm not going to hide. Here I am. Just say that to him. Just say, Here I am. All of my faults and all of my failures and all of my shame. And Lord, if you'll take me like this, my life is yours. Just just tell him that. Say, Here I am, God. I hear your voice calling to me. And here I am. I'm not going to hide. You might be nervous, but you don't have to be afraid. He'll calm your nerves. He'll calm your fear. His love, can, his love is more powerful than your nakedness. Just let him wash over you this morning. And realize that you can be in his presence without any shame or any fear or any, any question of rejection. He really does love you. Thank you, Jesus, so much for your love and your goodness in our lives. We're not going to hide. We're not going to hide. Thank you for searching for us. Thank you for putting a search party together. Come look for us. Find us in the shadows. We love you, Jesus. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us today. We always appreciate hearing how God is moving in your life. We all have a story to tell, and we'd love to hear yours. Please visit verticalchurch.tv and click on the little pencil icon called Amen Corner to tell us your story. Also, if you'd like to support the ministry of Vertical Church financially, you can do so by clicking the giving link at verticalchurch.tv. Thank you again for taking the time to join us as we point those far from God to life in Jesus.